Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. Episode 27, and today I have the pleasure to share with you the conversation I had with Cody Green. Cody is the founder and co-CEO at Canada Drives, an online financing company that started in 2010 after working as a car salesman in Saskatoon. Recently, Canada Drives placed first profit 500 list as Canada's fastest growing company. Cody was recently named among Canada's 2017 top 40 under 40. We talk about his decision to launch Canada Drives, why he decided to lay the roots of the company in Vancouver, and what he's looking for in leadership. Before getting started, I wanted to thank my media partners, IT World Canada, for their support of the podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Cody. Hey, Edwin. First off, thanks for having me. No, thank you for your time. Cody, why don't we start off by introducing yourself to our listeners. Tell us who you are and what you'd like to do when, you, when you're not building and growing a business. Okay, so professionally, I'm the founder and co-CEO of Canada Drives, and the business does take up a, a lot of my time. But how I spend the rest of my time, it, it's split up into a, a few different things. So I think family is the most important and where I spend the most of my time. So I have a wife. I also have a two-year-old son. And I know I heard this before I was a father, and I was like, okay, sure. But I actually learn a ton from spending time with my two-year-old son. And it just, he's so engaged with his environment and this sort of curiosity with everything he does. And really, every, how he's able to make just basic things into a game and have fun with life. So I find that my family is extremely important. They keep me grounded in sort of what's important. I think the other thing, exercise. So I wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. By 5.30, I'm either on the seawall in Vancouver going for a run or I'm at a gym. And I've heard this from a lot of people that I really respect, some successful leaders, that exercise is extremely important. And maybe it's about keeping that equilibrium. And it's definitely true for myself as well. I know I leave the office at the end of the day and I'm just emotionally drained. I'm just mentally just completely tapped. And I know there's just this disconnect if I haven't emptied the tank physically as well. And, and even just starting my day with a run or a workout, I find just a really powerful way to sort of kickstart that day. Uh, the last thing, and I try to combine the first two things with this, is traveling. So I live in Vancouver. It's a beautiful city. But my days, they're packed with meetings. And I'm going from one meeting to another to something else. And, and I find that I really get lost in the in-between. It's like my day is just a, a series of things to do. But when I go traveling, I really find I become engaged with everything. So just simply walking between meetings or, or going for a coffee, you really experience and I become 100% present for. And so I, I really love going to new cities, new countries. And I find there's almost like a hangover effect. When I come back to Vancouver, I'm bringing that traveling Cody with me. So first off, Cody, tell us about Canada Drives, I mean, your current role, and, and what the current goal or, or the mission over there is. You bet. So as I mentioned, I'm the founder and co-CEO. 
when we started, it was it was just me, and we had a, a simple goal: is to help Canadians get access to auto financing online. Uh, but really, today, as we've grown, we've really broadened our goals, and, and so it's not just auto loans. We want to help consumers gain access to a variety of financial products. So that includes things like personal loans, credit cards, and auto loans, and. and it's not just Canadians anymore either. So we've expanded internationally. We're in the UK, we're in Australia, and we're also expanding into the US here shortly, which we're really excited about. And kind of like our mission, what we're really about is we really try to leave things better than we found them. So for us, that means making financing as easy as possible and, and kind of regardless of a person's financial or credit situation and really just providing solutions to people to help them get to their next financial goal. No, that's great. And, uh, and, and it's awesome in terms of the growth that you, that you've seen and what Canada Drive says. I mean, I think just over the last couple of years, you've grown both significantly, both in revenue and headcount. And, and I'm not sure, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Cody, I believe your headcount is now at over 300 people now. So, uh, which is kind of mind boggling in terms of where, <laughs> in terms of where you started and where, and where you are today. So, what I found interesting is I think you started the company in Saskatoon before moving to Vancouver. So really what I, what I'm curious is how did you make that decision and, and who did you bring over with you uh, in the company? Yeah. So I was in Saskatoon working at a car dealership and I was finding that financing was extremely important to so many people in that transaction. And that was really where the idea for Canada drives was born. So to start, it was just myself, the co-CEO, Michael Galpin. Uh, he started shortly after. And, and we really, for the first like three, four years, just had a really small team. So maybe four, five, six, seven, eight people. So wasn't adding a ton of people on there. And it was really in 2014 that we're like, okay, we're on to something. And we really need to sort of lay our roots and sort of find a, a home base to really build that foundation for this opportunity that we see. So... We landed on Vancouver, and it was for a couple reasons. First off, Vancouver had a booming tech sector. I think they've referred to it as Silicon Valley North, and I think it's it's becoming more deserved with every passing year. And we knew our future was going to rely heavily on technology, so we really wanted to tap into that. Plus, we just needed to be in a city with a ton of people. We knew if we were right, and this was going to be as successful as we thought it was, we were going to need to hire a, a ton of staff. And, and as you mentioned, it's over 300. So we really needed that sort of population base to, to pull from. I think the second reason was, was maybe more selfish, but maybe this is still a business reason, is I really like Vancouver. I love the mountains. I love the ocean. I love the city, the culture. And when you're trying to find a spot for a company and you can see, hey, I'm going to have to build this here for the next five, ten 20 years, you really have to pick a place that you're excited to call home and that you're not going to get itchy feet and want to move. And, and you're right. I think when you're building something, you're, you're, you're digging the roots, right? So you definitely want to be happy where you are. So, I mean, that, that's, that's great. Now that being at 300 people, I, I know when I spot, I speak to many business leaders and entrepreneurs that, that grown past that 150 employees where culture is an important thing. I'm really, I'm really curious how, how are you and your team able to sustain the ethos of the company? Yeah. So ethos, culture, the reality is when you have just a few people, it's not something you think about. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody's so active in the business. Everybody's so engaged with each other and, and you're really on the same page. So it's not something you're giving a, a ton of consideration. I, I think we were really fortunate. Uh, some of our first hire, very like smart, passionate people, they shared the vision with us. And because we started small, we were to really instill those values in those people. And as we started to to grow and new opportunities came up, these people started stepping up to the challenge. And so they may have started in more junior positions, but as opportunities became, they became the senior leadership at our team as well. So we basically built those values with those people, shared it with their teams, and they were able to really sort of push that down through the organization. So I really think that foundation had been critical to our success. And as it grew, I mean, your role, Michael's role, obviously grew as well. You're, you had changed your responsibilities. Your your team might have changed as well. So h- how are you personally, and perhaps you and Michael, how were you guys able to build yourself as an effective leader within within the organization that was growing? So as you grow, everything breaks, everything changes. So the leader you need to be for a team of five is different than the leader you need to be for a team of 25, 50 100, 300. And so it's really, you're, you're a work in progress. You can never really be static. And I know I kind of leave the office every day and I'm like, okay, what am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to change? What am I going to have to get better at in order to be that effective leader for the company tomorrow? I think one of the first things that you have to learn is how to delegate. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you've done everything yourself. And so really, Keeping people engaged and being able to delegate the tasks out to your teammates, I think, is extremely important. I think we've also just kind of developed a, a unique culture here. So our, our working groups within the organization, they're, they're not typically imposed from leadership. They're more ad hoc based. And I find that really gives an environment where people are putting utility ahead of ego. And, and so everyone becomes more self-sufficient. And it really allows like the leaders to not be intimately involved in every last detail of things as everyone has that ownerships of the role at the company. That's really interesting. And, and I like the key things you're talking about, the unique culture and, and really, uh, you know, utility ahead of ego. How did that come apart? Was that through growth um, within your teams? And, and I mean, that this is something that probably evolved over time, correct? Yeah, I think it really came from those shared vision, that shared goal. And if that is really the most important thing to to the leadership of a company, well, then ego doesn't have a, a place to play in that. If you really actually care about success the most, well, then ego has no part to play. You, you mentioned your, your co-CEO, Michael Galpin. He started just shortly after which is very interesting. You two share the role of CEO, so co-CEO. I think I've read that you said that two heads are better than one. That's one of the reasons why you ha- you you share the responsibility. I think it's very forward thinking. So I'm really curious to know how the two of you work together, and maybe even more importantly, how both of you make the hard decisions. So first off, I, I want to preface with everything I'm going to say with I don't think the co-CEO model would work for everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, that said, I think it's been a huge advantage to us as we've grown. And, and I think Mike and I came into the organization with very similar backgrounds. We both came from the car industry. And so we brought with us very similar skill sets. 
he had a bit more experience with sales and operations. I had a bit more experience with technology and marketing. And so we really had to make a decision. Are we going to both be pretty good at everything? Or are we both going to really pick which things we're going to take that 100% ownership of and try to be best in classes? So we took that approach. And I think what that means is on the day-to-day, there isn't actually a huge overlap on the decisions that we're both making. I think the other key to making it work with co-CEOs is having a huge amount of respect for one another and more importantly, respect for their ability to make those crucial decisions. We're so aligned on the goals of the organization that I don't have to be second guessing that what he's deciding is in the best interest of the company. Like all that said, clearly there's a ton of decisions that sort of need to be made together. They're, they're the broader decisions. Like, are you going into a new market? Are you going to release a new product? Uh, and those decisions need to be made together. A lot of the time we both see things the same way. That's pretty easy, but sometimes we both have a different approach we want to take to it. So, so what do you do next? Do you, do you flip a coin? Is that the best way to do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That, that would be terrifying if that's what it came down to. So instead, we go to more of like a voting mechanism. And so how do you vote when you only have two people? It's really on passion. So it's very rarely that I'm like 100% let's go left. He's 100% let's go right. And we're like at an impasse. More often than not, it's like I'm 100% let's go left. And he's like 20% let's go right. Right. It becomes a conversation and I outvote him 100 to 20. <laughs> Question that I, I typically like to ask is not all the time. Because you mentioned that you're always learning and, and you're trying to improve your business, what what are you trying to work on? Uh, what what's one aspect of your leadership style that you're that you're trying to improve now? There's probably about a thousand, but if <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one. <laughs> so really, when you're starting a company from scratch, and even when you have a few staff, I, I know I did everything in the company, and I've I've been doing so many different roles within the company. I've been doing it for a long time, so you mm-hmm. get pretty darn good at it, right? But there's a time where you need to hire people to do those things, so to free up that space in your day. And so really for me, it's like hiring smart people, passionate people, capable people, and getting out of their way faster. So it's that back to that delegation. Once you take that step back and put that trust in the team, you're micromanaging less, you're giving people more freedom. And as I found, I've done that more and more. It frees up that time so I can focus on the bigger picture items like the vision and strategy of the company. I mean, it sounds like this has been an evolution of your leadership style. I, I hear delegation a lot, obviously, uh, from, from really good, successful business. But for yourself personally, I guess as it grown, it sounds to me that you might have been micromanaging at, at first when you on your first couple of hires. Yeah, that's the tendency is is you have a way of doing something. And so you think that's the way it should be done. But obviously, there's a million ways to solve any given problem and not just because it's yours, it's the best. So giving that taking that step back and letting someone else take their approach and obviously being there to help them if they run into anything, but really giving them the freedom to make a couple mistakes and find their own path to it. And I think you said a, a key word earlier as well is get out of the way and, and trust them for uh, why you hired them in the first place. Exactly. Good leaders, they, they, especially within your organization, and it sounds like it started from the core, from your leadership, your shared vision, your passions, your first round of hires or your, your core group, they became leaders or they've grown within, within, within your space. So what, 
what do you look for for a good leader? Yeah, so I think what I'm looking for a good leader, there, there's two big things. I think the first thing is empathy. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. really that ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And, and I think this is extremely important when you're a consumer-facing company is how would you feel as a customer using your product, using your service? I think the sort of the next iteration of that is like, how would you feel being a team member working for your company? Like, how would you feel working for your organization? Like, is it going to promise those career paths that you're looking for? So really that ability to step into somebody else's shoes, I think is extremely important for good leadership. I think the other thing though is flexibility. So really being able to just roll with the punches and change your approach when you need to, to solve problems. I think it's really easy to say, this is what we're going to do, or this is my opinion on something, and, and then just put on the blinders and new information sort of comes flying past you, but mm-hmm. you just ignore it. And, and I think in politics, especially people get punished if they change their position on things. And I think humans, they don't want to be considered wishy-washy, but I think in leadership, you really need to have that flexibility because things move so fast, you're getting new information, you have to stay agile and not get idealistic on how you're going to solve a problem. So when new information comes to you, and you, you have to pivot, you're going to need to do that in order to be successful. Who are your biggest influences when, when, when it comes to business leadership? So I actually got advice from a boss, and this was like a long, long time ago, and he probably doesn't even remember telling me this, but he said, don't look for a single role model. And I don't think it resonated with me at the time, but now as I kind of think back at it, it was at the exact same time that a new manager had come on the team and he was, he was great at his job. And I was looking at this guy and I was like, okay, I want to be like this guy in his entirety. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's a lot of problems with that is, is people, they're not perfect. They're going to have attributes that, that are amazing, but they're also going to have shortcomings. So when I'm looking to business leadership, I'm really trying to find the attributes of a leader that I want to emulate and then really like kind of separate it from that person. And then the process begins where I'm trying to reverse engineer this attribute so I can add it to my own arsenal. So some examples I can think of, Mm -hmm. and these, these might be like some, some pretty common ones, but Jeff Bezos and Amazon, I love how that company, how they're not complacent. So Amazon, when they came out with free three-day shipping, it was it was best in class. But they didn't rest on their laurels. They're like, okay, we're going to do two-day shipping. <laughs> and then it was one-day shipping, then same day. And then they're going to be soon flying drones through your back window. One so hour. I think that really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so really not resting on your laurels and not being complacent. I think another example, uh, Elon Musk. I love how he's able to tie his business objectives to a greater purpose. So when you work for Tesla or SpaceX, you're not in the car industry. You're not in the spaceship industry. You're trying to save the world. And I think this ambitious sort of all-encompassing mission statement creates a ton of value in the culture. Um, I think you recently told me that you read Shoe Dog by, uh, by Phil Knight. I mean, it's a book about the founder of Nike and his story. So can you tell us why you read it and perhaps what were your key takeaways from it? Yeah, so I got the book as a, a gift from a friend. It highly recommended. You've got to read this okay. book. And I, I think what sort of took me back immediately is 
I always just pictured Nike being just a giant behemoth company. From when I was a little kid, like <laughs> Nike was this massive sports company. And, and you don't even think back, well, they, they had to start somewhere, right? And so it's really this story of Phil Knight, and I'd, I'd heard the name, but really knew nothing about it, and, and Bill Bowerman, who is his track coach, and how they wanted to revolutionize the shoe industry. They were runners themselves, and so we can both kind of empathize yes. with that. And they wanted to make a better running shoe for themselves first and for other, for other runners. So they were importing them from Japan. They were trying to re-engineer, make them better, make them faster. And really just they put themselves literally in the customer's shoes to build this company. And I think what was really cool is hearing how this wasn't a linear growth from them. It wasn't like, oh, we made the shoe. It was a huge hit. And then we just grew 25% year over year over year. It, like that couldn't be farther from the story. Mm. It had its highs, its lows, like they didn't know if they were going to make it. And even at one point, Phil Knight, he was, he was working as an accountant just to hedge against Nike not existing. Wow. So I think really that disconnect from what I had pictured of an amazing brand to what the true story of how they got today, I found that extremely inspiring as a business leader. So fun question. I love asking this. It's just really interesting to hear uh, what some of the business leaders say. But if I were to ask your team, your colleagues or your peers, what is the best leadership quality you possess? What do you think they would say? Oh, man, I guess there's what I'd hope they would say. And maybe you can pull them afterwards and see if there's a disconnect. Right, here. right. Um, I, I guess I guess a couple things I would really hope to hear. Um, one would be my willingness to empower them to take on big responsibilities. Like I said, it's like we want to hire those smart, passionate people and really try to get out of their way. And I think we're doing a better and better job of doing that. I think the other thing, as I've sort of stepped back from the doing of as many tasks, I, I really hope they would see my ability to see all the moving pieces and, and how they really fit together. Having a blast, Cody. But before we end, I'd love to get some of your final thoughts, observations, ideally actionable recommendations that you could share to, to any either growing business leader, maybe an entrepreneur just starting. Who, who's listening today? For sure. I think there's a couple things. Uh, one, one saying I heard, it was a couple weeks back that really resonated for me was hustle beats talent. And I think I really like this one because in business, there's going to be so many things that are completely out of your control. There's so many moving pieces, but I really like the fact that the amount of effort you put into something is something you can control. And I've said this to people, if you're willing to outwork everyone else, you're going to be really hard to beat. So I think that's one advice I'd give. Mm -hmm. I think the other one is leverage your strengths. And there's kind of another side to that is you're not going to be the best at everything. And I think I referenced this when I was talking about the two CEOs. Yes. Really figure out what you're going to be the best at and then leverage that with your business and really decide what you're not going to be the best at. You can't be all things to all people. You can't be the best at everything. And probably the last piece of advice, and this seems like something you shouldn't need to say, but it's add value. And this is really for everything. So for your customers, really think how is your company adding value to that customer? But even just like as a leader, how are you adding value to your staff? Or how are you adding value to the people that you're meeting when you're networking? And it's something I think a lot of people 
don't think about and then it gets kind of lost. But if this is at the forefront uh, of everything you're doing, I think you're going to be light years ahead of a ton of people. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you for sharing. Those are, those are three amazing points. Hustle beats talent. Leverage your strengths and ensure that you add value. So to close, Cody, please tell us where we can find more information about you, Canada Drives, and anything else that you uh, might be want, want to share. Yeah, so you can check out Canada Drives at www.canadadrives.ca. From there, you can get a hold of me. You can see our Facebook. You can see our Twitter, Instagram. So you can learn a little bit more about our team and what we're up to. Um, yeah, and feel free to reach out to me. Thank you again, Cody, for, for taking the time to join us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks a lot for having me. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to Episode 27 of the Business Leadership Podcast with Cody Green. It was such an insightful conversation. And for me, just hearing his story for being a car salesman to building out an amazing fintech company. To learn more about Cody, Canada Drives, or anything that he mentioned, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 027. I love getting messages from you. So keep them coming and feel free to contact me directly via email to edwin at thebusinessleadership.com and let me know how I'm doing or just say hello. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again. Until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.